You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Great to see you. Do grab a seat. Uh, thank you so much uh, to the team for leading us so well. Well, good morning. Good morning. Let me try that again. It's a bit lame. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you're alive and well. Uh, and I'm sure we might have a few young adults in the room who are part of the conference yesterday, maybe feeling weary, maybe some others coming to the second service. I know it was an amazing time. Uh, just want to echo uh, my thanks also uh, as Esther's uh, brought a, a few headlines from our trip to Kenya. We felt so covered, so supported, uh, particularly in our times of ministry where we were in some settings that felt like a huge step up for us. And uh, just it was... It was amazing, really, to see the receptivity and the responsiveness uh, of the bishops uh, at their conference and just knew that many were praying for us. And uh, we thank God that by his grace, we carried an anointing in that space and were able to, to minister, bring the word of the Lord and see God touch many lives. And uh, yeah, it was such an incredible experience. You've seen some of the photos. We also, some of you I know are on social media. Uh, if you're not, I encourage you to get on social media, at least to follow CLM, because we send, send regular updates through the week. Some of you will have seen some of the photos and updates there. We met, uh, to me, a young guy, he's about 36, uh, called Pastor Gabriel, who had been an assistant bishop, uh, but was, has been called as an evangelist into the northern part where we were, has planted 75 churches in the last five years, and uh, just is on with an amazing work of God. And it was a privilege to to meet with him and go and see his home, very, very simple place in the middle of nowhere uh, with his wife and daughter, but with a passion to reach people for Christ. And it's amazing to see what God is doing in the earth. And uh, God is on with some incredible things. So thank you. And then also, uh, last week we got back on Monday from Kenya. Wednesday, Thursday, we were with Assemblies of God, Great Britain, uh, with the national leadership team, and were involved in, in helping to lead a prayer retreat and listening to the voice of the Lord for our movement here in the UK. And again, appreciated uh, your prayers for us. It's been, um, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing couple of weeks. Uh, but it's good to be home and uh, good to be here with you today. I'm excited today to be introducing a, a short three-part series called Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance. And we're going to be looking at the tremendously important area of financial stewardship. Now, I, I always feel coming into something like this uh, that there, there will be some who maybe tighten up at this moment or think, oh, no, should have stayed in bed. Um, but uh, this is such an important part of our discipleship, how we approach finance, how we approach substance, whether we trust God. What a great song for us to sing as we came into this. Uh, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The God who provided then and provides now. And uh, as we read our Bibles, we find that this is an area God is profoundly interested in, uh, out being at work in our lives. Uh, we will turn to some verses shortly uh, where Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your, there your heart is also. He, he doesn't say that about anything else. He says there's, there's a link between finance, between substance and our Hearts. This is actually a heart issue, and it's partly why there can be a bit of a rub, a little bit of tension, sometimes a bit of a wrestle within us. Uh, of course, finance, treasure, uh, money, however you put it, it, it links to the substance of life, uh, both the necessities and the desirable things of our lives, our, our food and shelter and bills, but also uh, homes, cars, clothes, things that maybe are important to you. And and the question comes as to whether we're going to be yielded to the Lord in this area of our lives, whether it's going to be an area that we're going to allow to be part of our spiritual formation, part of our discipleship. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. There are, there are those, I've heard it said that there are four times as many verses in, in the, the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, relating to, to finances, there is relating to prayer and relating to faith. Now, I've not done the count, but the truth is this is not a niche area, and we see God uh, wanting to get our attention on this stuff, whether we're going to live under a kingdom paradigm when also we find ourselves in a culture 
uh, where we, we are bombarded with, with adver, uh, advertisements and, and, and uh, the desirability of stuff and things and, and even how success is portrayed to us that, that there's a materialistic aspect of, uh, you know, having better, having more, uh, which can be a, a hallmark, a seemingly a hallmark of success in our culture, which isn't how the Bible seems to define success. And so are we going to live with a kingdom paradigm or are we going to live with a worldly paradigm? Well, these can be challenging things for us. I'm, I'm also always super conscious when we come to subjects like this that, that there may be first-time visitors here. And I want to say welcome to church. Um, but of course, uh, there can be a sensitivity here. I'm, I'm conscious this can be a sensitive subject. I'm also aware there can be a lot of dubious teaching around giving and money. And hopefully uh, today and over the next two weeks, I'll just bring before you some things that I passionately believe are there in the scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts. It's been an incredible area of transformation in my life. I'm so grateful to God for his work in me. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and uh, as some of you have been around have heard me say before, uh, I don't know what happened. My, my sister came out of the womb with a generous disposition, and I came out of the womb with a, with a, a tight-fisted disposition, which was very miserable growing up because my sister always outgave me on every occasion and delighted to do so. Uh, but it's been an incredible work of redemption in my life as I got saved and I learned to trust God in this area and have learned to enter into the joy of generosity and the joy of trusting God. I'm not ashamed to say that because it's been part of the God's work in my life and to see his blessing and favor as we have sought to trust him. Uh, also, I'm aware that you get a broad spectrum across churches. There are some churches uh, where there's a mini sermon. I, I know pastors who, who they, they take a, a mini sermon at the offering time every week. Now, we, we don't really want to be doing that here. We want to encourage people sometimes, as we're going to do these next three weeks, to build in some principles and then to live that out and not to be cranking the offering up every week. Um, but, but also there are, there are churches where the pastors are scared to talk about this. Uh, feel intimidated. And, and actually, I don't think that does us a great service because this is such an important area of our discipleship that we mustn't neglect. Jesus spoke much around money. We're going to uh, turn to one of the key passages shortly, but also he directly challenges the, the rich young ruler, uh, doesn't he, about you know he, this rich young guy who comes to him and, and says, I've kept the commandments. What else must I do? And he says, well, okay, right. Well, listen, why don't you sell everything you've got and give it to the poor? And gives him this massive challenge that, that he's unable to respond to and he goes away sad. And it occurs to me the next time he's going to see Jesus is on the day of judgment. And it's like, well, okay, well, what did he do with that challenge Jesus gave him? There's another time where, where Jesus is watching the offering and providing a commentary to his disciples. What a thought. And, and, he, and he picks out this, this sweet widow uh, who materially maybe gave the least, but Jesus says, do you know what? Out of everybody, she actually gave the most because out of her poverty, she gave generously. And he's commenting on it. In the story of Zacchaeus, we see his change of heart towards money is expressed as part of his salvation, the evidence of his salvation. In the early chapters of the book of Acts, we, we see the believers selling selling land and selling houses and and bringing it to the leaders so that nobody among them would have need, and also to invest in the ministry. And by chapter 11 of the book of Acts at Antioch, we see this phrase that everyone was giving according to their ability. So everyone's giving something, but according to their ability, into special offerings, and the kingdom is coming. And through the epistles, generosity is expressly encouraged, and offerings are openly discussed. When we when we came here to CLM, it will be 12 years in a few months' time. In our first year of being here, uh, we did a four-week series into this because it's, uh, in, in our view, such an important area of discipleship. And then I think the next week, we did three weeks. And then we've kind of done more like a little refresher, one week or at the most two generally each year. But then it's come to our attention that the congregation has grown and the congregation has changed and actually, uh, we, I've been given some statistics by those who run the database that it's about 30% of our current congregation 
were here five years ago or more, which means that 70% have been here in the last five years, which is why we kind of realize actually some of the things that we taught as foundations and think, well, we only need to do a refresher on that, that over this year and next year, we might need to revisit some of these areas because we can't assume that people have got those foundations. Now, if you have been around for a long time and you've heard some of the stories before, you heard some of the teaching, we pray that this will nonetheless encourage us to keep going in faithfulness. Before I dive in, just two more simple comments. Number one, we're obviously deeply conscious that money can be an area of great pressure and great stress for many. There will be those among us who are struggling financially. Pretty well, all the studies on mental health will make the join between financial pressures and, and mental health challenges and anxiety. And uh, we are committed to helping all who are committed members. If you're a committed member of CLM, we have a hardship fund. And if you are in need, we have to operate within the constraints of UK charity law because we're a UK charity. Uh, but you can let us know if you're in need and uh, we can see if within those constraints we're able to help you through CLM's hardship fund. And to do that, just need to email Jonathan Chan, jonathan at clmchurch.co.uk. And we want to help. Also, my prayer is that within the, the teaching of these three weeks, faith will be released. And over time, you will see a turnaround in your situation. We have so many stories and testimonies of people where, where there was always too much month at the end of the money, uh, but then actually starting to trust God and seeing things change and turn around. I believe God wants to help us in this area of our lives as we trust him. And the second thing is, as well as teaching from the Bible, which is what we want to to use these times on a Sunday for, use this pulpit for, we're, we're aware that many might need practical tools. And uh, this is really important. Some of our, our directors have kind of made this point to us that it's important we teach the scriptures. It's also important we put practical tools in people's hands. Uh, it's madness to me that money management isn't taught in, in schools, but it isn't. And uh, yet we need to know how to handle finance. And so uh, after we finish this series, uh, a few weeks later, which is going to be on Monday evenings, just after Easter, Monday the 8th, 15th, and 22nd of April, we're going to be running uh, the CAP Money Management course, which is a three-evening practical how to manage your money course, uh, which is going to be super helpful. Well, each week over this, this week and the next two, uh, the title for the week is going to be a question. And the question today is really simple. It's, is he welcome. Is he welcome? Meaning, is God welcome in this area of your life? I, I don't know if you've ever felt welcome or felt unwelcome. Uh, I remember feeling decidedly unwelcome on one occasion. It's not a very nice uh, thing to experience. Uh, I'd made friends with a guy in my first year at university. He was in my hall of residence. We were on the same corridor, and uh, we just connected and we hung out, but we had entirely different friendship groups to one another. But uh, it was his birthday towards the end of my first year. During one of the holidays, I think it might have been Easter. And, um, and so he had this party, which was at his home. He invited me to go, and I went. But other than him, I didn't know anybody. And there was about 100 people there at this party. So I kind of turned up. Obviously, because he's the host and he's the birthday boy, I, could, I said a quick hello, but I couldn't hang out with him the whole evening. And I just didn't know anybody. And I remember there was like a, a group of people at a table. There was a spare seat. So I kind of went up and said, oh, hi, is it okay if I join you? And they kind of looked at me uh, kind of like, oh, if you have to. And I remember, and I kind of, I sat down. I was like, hi. And, and you know, I was just kind of waited and I listened. Like, no, I mean, nobody said anything to me. So I, I tried to make a connection to the guy next to me. And I clearly didn't want to talk to me anyway. And so it was a bit awkward, and a little bit later, I, I kind of tried the same thing at another table, and I got the same experience, and, uh, and I remember leaving early. Um, it, was not a great, it was not a great time to feel unwelcome. Ten days ago in northern Kenya, I received the best welcome I have ever received in my life, and um, it was unforgettable, where you've seen the, the churches under trees, and we, had, we have driven through desert track uh, for, for quite some time to, to get to, to these places, the three or four hours on, on the second day. And, uh, and when we arrived, uh, these, these villages of, of people who they knew that a visit was coming, 
Now, we didn't know exactly when we were going to get there. They didn't know when we were going to get there. But they gathered in anticipation for our arrival at some point. And when these two trucks that we were in uh, arrived, they, they were about 100 yards from where we were actually going to meet with them. They had kind of come towards where we were going to be and gathered. And when they saw us coming, they started singing and dancing and we disembarked from our cars, and, and they danced and sung us into where we were going, putting robes on us as we went. And I want to tell you, it was an unforgettable experience, the best welcome I have ever received. And, um, and, and also their hearts were so wide open to receive something from the Word of the Lord. Incredible. The difference between welcome and welcome. I want to ask today, is God welcome in this area of our lives? How we handle our finance? can be uh, such an interesting aspect. Is he welcome? Is this a no-go area? Uh, will we sing, uh, you, are, you are Lord, you are Lord, but actually in this area, it's a room in our lives where we have got the key and it is locked and we don't really want the Lord to go in there. We certainly don't want his lordship in there because he might ask us to do some things that I, we, we, we just rather that we manage that. We're happy for him to be our savior we're glad that he saved us from our sins. We, we might be happy that he's involved in, in our sanctification uh, and we want his presence in us. But in this area, we've got a locked room. Or maybe uh, we stand at the threshold of that room and we, we hold the door. We, we will open, allow him to peep in. But, but really, we're not going to let him actually move in to that area of our lives. Or how are we going to come to a place? Have we come to a place of saying, Lord, you can have full access. Access all areas. You can come. You are welcome. Come and do what you want to do. And uh, so why don't we pray? Father, we, I, I thank you, Lord, that your love is, is beyond compare. And I thank you, Lord, that you desire the best for us in every aspect of our lives. And I pray, Lord, would you help us in this sensitive area today and over the next couple of weeks? Just to have open hearts, to, to come before you and be relaxed and to, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, that you'd come and speak to us and be at work in us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you uh, come with me, if you've got a Bible, to the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 6. This is... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' manifesto, and interestingly, uh, one of the big chunks within this broad manifesto speech from Jesus relates to money, relates to finance. Uh, the NIV translators break it into two sections, but really, I, I believe it's one flow, and uh, we're going to read verses 19 to 34. Some of these will be familiar verses to many of us. This is what the Bible says, Matthew 16, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, which implies generous, you see a footnote in the NIV, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, and the, the Greek word there implies stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Some have a capital M for money. Some have the word mammon, which is, which is a spirit of, of money and materialism. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink about your body, what you will wear, is not life much more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin yet. I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the field of the grass which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how will, sorry, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry by saying, what shall we eat? 
or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I want you to take note of that. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, can we say all these things? Will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What, what, an, amazing, what an amazing passage for us to, to look to and to consider. You know, when I was first a Christian, I, I read a number of Christian biographies. Uh, and through that experience, I began to see very clearly that, that God delights to provide. Like we've sung, he was providing then, he's providing now. I remember reading George Muller's biography. If you never read about George Muller, uh, I'd encourage, invite you to do so. There's some amazing biographies about his life. He was a man who lived in the United Kingdom uh, in uh, the 1800s and ran orphan houses uh, for children, largely in the Bristol area. And he was one of the first people in the modern era to trust God in the area of finance. And he never made his needs known, but prayed. And through his lifetime, over a million pounds was put through the ministry. Uh, and when he died, he, he had a hat and a coat. I mean, his, like, he, like what he left, he, he left nothing of value of his own, but he'd seen a ridiculous amount of money in that area pass through the ministry in answer to prayer. Uh, and there were times, stories where they had houses full of orphans and literally no food, and they would sit down and they would give thanks for the food they were about to receive, even though there was no food, and then there was a knock at the door and someone had come with food. For that day, and these sorts of stories, which really formed my faith, reading about Reese Howells and understanding that God wants to be involved in this area of our lives. Over the next few weeks, I'll share some stories. My, my desire in doing so is to move this and land this from theory to, to practice. And I know some of you will have heard some of our stories before. I'm always aware there's a risk of being misunderstood, but my prayer is that they might release faith that this God that we worship. He delights to be involved. That what Jesus is saying here, how much more, uh, and seek first. And some of these ideas, they are not for then, they're for now. They were for then, but they're also for now. They're also for tomorrow. They're for us. And in our lives, there was, this is one of the key ways that we have come to know the reality of God in our lives. We have so many testimonies of God's goodness through trusting him in the area of finance. And through this uh, this passage we've read, I'd, I'd like us to draw out four principles that, that I see and uh, to cut, journey through these quite quickly. Firstly, the principle of participation. The principle of participation. What I mean by this is that God is interested. I believe God wants to be involved in the area of provision and substance in our lives. He is ready to participate. No detail is too small. In fact, Jesus is saying, look at the birds, look at the lilies, see how they're provided for, see how they're clothed. How much more does my Father love you and will do the same for you? He knows what you need. Do not worry because he knows what you need. There is this, this clear communication that Jesus is making that God is not too busy for the detail of our lives. That actually there might be need that you've got and 7 billion people on the planet and some major global issues that we don't even know how to pray into. And yet the truth is, is clearly conveyed here that God is interested in the details of our lives. Look at the birds. Look at the lilies. See how they are provided for. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I'm not going to stay here long because it's so simple, but I believe this is an essential paradigm that in our walk before the Lord, if, if you're not already at this place, that you would grasp that God sees you and, and he knows and he delights to participate. God wants to be involved if we open up our lives to him. We have so many examples of God's generous and gracious participation in, in our need. One, one story came to mind when I was thinking about this. In our, uh, when we first moved here to, to CLM uh, to serve, the, the church was, in, not, was not in a, an easy time financially. Uh, and when we came, we were inducted together as senior pastors uh, to serve the, the house and the ministry together. Uh, but there wasn't the finance uh, to, 
to, to provide more than one salary, which was, which was a match of the assistant pastor's salary that had been on where I was before. So that, that's where we began. Um, but rather than go out and get another job, you know, Esther and I, we worked together in the ministry uh, on one salary, and we, we trusted God. Uh, but, but the reality is it was tight. So some of us are in seasons where money is tight. We understand what it means uh, when Simply Red sang, money's too tight to mention. Uh, we kind of, we, we understand that song. And uh, th- this was a season that was particularly tight for us. And I remember after about 18 months, I think it was, uh, our car, we, we had a car. And thank God that we had a car. I don't take that for granted. But it, but car came for its MOT. Now, some of you, I know some of you get your cars on lease and it's a bit different. But if you've got an oldish car, we're, we're experts at running old cars. Uh, when you go for the MOT, uh, you're not quite sure what's going to happen. If you're not aware of this, you've not got a car, every year you have to get a certificate to say that your car is roadworthy. It's called an MOT. The test itself is about £40. But normally you get a phone call from the garage. Uh, what, one phone call might be, uh, your car's ready, we've done the test, and the bill is £40. That's the phone call you want. The other phone call goes something like this. We've run the test, and to get it through, we're going to need to do some work. And the work is going to cost X. And I remember uh, we sent our car for its MOT, and I was praying that we'd get the first phone call. But we got the second phone call. And the number to get it fixed was 580 pounds, which we didn't have. But, but we needed the car, and so I didn't know what to do. Because we, we couldn't really scrap the car, but, but we couldn't pay to get it roadworthy. And I didn't know what to do. And, and there, but I remember coming downstairs. My office is, is on the, was on the first floor at that time. I remember coming to the ground floor. And to the best of my knowledge, my memory, like we had not received any unexpected provisional gifts in the previous 18 months. But that day... One hour after the phone call from the garage, I came down to the ground floor and someone was at reception and said, oh, someone's come in and they've, they've dropped an envelope for you. And I thought maybe it's a letter of complaint. You know, normally if people write, you know, there's an issue. Um, but, but there was this letter and there was, it was anonymous. But in it was 600 pounds cash. And if it was you, thank you. I, I, and don't all claim that it was you because you're, you, someone's going to be lying. But, um, but I remember someone going, it was me. Um, but, uh, but thank you. But I don't, maybe it was an angel. But I just remember on that day, at that moment, we, we had a problem that was a 580 pound size problem. And on that day, we received, I hadn't told anybody. I'd only told Esther. Nobody knew. But God had provided for us. And I was able to phone the garage back and say, do the work. And for another 12 months, we had a car until it went for its MOT again. And I think maybe we scrapped it that year. I don't know what happened. I can't remember. But let me tell you, God delights. There's a principle of participation. And let me tell you that in our experience of, of trying to trust God, and I'll talk a little bit more next, next week, but... In, in trusting him with tithing, in trusting him with offerings, in, in seeking to be faithful in, the, in my part of seek first the kingdom of God and do not store up treasure on earth. We have seen his miraculous provision time after time after time. And it is so much more joyful than if we'd been able to provide for ourselves. Honestly, like it, and I'm not proud. that I'm not kind of you know, thrilled that we weren't able to pay for the MOT bill. But I tell you, there was a lot more joy and rejoicing in our house that day than if we'd had the money in our bank. And also, we see the hand of God. He delights to participate. Secondly, the principle of provision, which I guess we've also seen there, but I want to highlight it a little bit differently. I think it's worth emphasizing. God wants to be involved. He wants to participate. How much more? Look at the birds. Look at the earth. Look at the lilies. But he doesn't just care. He's also able. He's able. Can we say able? God is able. He was providing then. He's providing now. He is the same God. God is who he says he is. Right? We understand who God is by his names. He reveals his name. He said, I am Jehovah Shalom, the, the God of peace. 
But what does it mean by him saying, I'm, I'm Jehovah Shalom? It means that if you come to me, you will find peace. You know, God says, I am Jehovah Rafi, the Lord that heals you. Well, what does that mean, that he's called healer? Well, it means if he's called healer, then he heals. And one of the names of God in the Bible is Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. This is who God is. We see him providing, not only by creating seed-bearing plants in the earth, creating animals that can reproduce and multiply. We see supernatural provision when natural resource isn't available. Right through the scriptures, we see water from the rock, manna in the desert, the ram in the thicket, oil for the widow, a coin in a fish's mouth, food for 5,000 men plus women and children from, from uh, five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says here, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he provide for you? Seek first the kingdom of God and, and all these things will be provided for you because he is Jehovah Jireh. This revelation of Jehovah Jireh first comes in Genesis when Abraham is challenged. Uh, the promise of God has come to Abraham that he's going to have a son and through the son, he's going to be a blessing to the nations and God is going to put a nation through him and through his seed and his offspring and miraculously, in their old age, uh, Abraham and Sarah have this baby Isaac. And yet when, when Isaac is a boy, I don't know whether he's a teenager or younger than that, we're not quite sure. God asks Abraham to take him and sacrifice him, which is a, uh, it's challenging to get your head around. But Abraham, in his faith and in his obedience, he goes and he, he takes the boy up the mountain of Moriah. And he... He straps him to the altar, and he raises the blade over the boy, ready to do what God has asked him to do. And at that moment, he hears a, a ram crying out in the thicket. And, and an angel speaks and says, do not lay a hand on the boy. This is Genesis 22, verse 12. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. Or in the ASV, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. And, on, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Jehovah Jireh, uh, the Yireh the or Jireh, is a derivative from the verb ra'ah, which means to see. And really the understanding of this is, is this understanding of God is Jehovah Jireh. God is the God who sees and who sees to it. He is the seeing God. He sees your need and he was also see to your need. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He knows what you need. He sees. In the verses that we read, and how much more will he clothe you? He will see to it. This is who God is. This is his provision. The, the challenge for us often is that we cannot see how. We cannot see that we have our circumstances and we cannot see how God can provide and therefore our faith is limited. But, but when God provides in times when we cannot see how, we all the more know that it's God and we see his hand. When, when I came down that staircase after 18 months of us being here and there was an envelope, I knew it was God. An hour earlier, I did not know how we were going to pay the bill. But God already had the answer on the way. Moses and the Israelites are, are in the wilderness and they've come through the Red Sea and God is, is providing manna uh, every day, six, six days a week. And on the Sabbath, they, they eat what they collected the day before for a year. But after about a year, the Israelites get tired of manna and they start complaining that they want meat. We want meat. We want meat. And so they start, they start complaining to Moses. And God says, I will provide meat. I will provide meat for a month is what God says to Moses. Numbers 11, 21 to 23. But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. Can you imagine that? I don't know, with women and children, is that like 2 million? Is that, imagine the, the entire population of Birmingham has been having, uh, you know, and, and wider Birmingham has been having manna for a year, and they want meat, and God says, I'll provide meat for a month for the entire city. 
This is essentially what happens. And they're in the desert, remember. And Moses says, here I am on 600,000 men on foot, and you say I'll give them meat uh, to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught? And the Lord answered Moses, I love this, is the, arms, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you'll see whether what I say will come true for you. And the Lord sends this mighty wind and quail a meter high land in the Israelite camp. And they have quail till it's coming out their ears. And after a month, they're sick of quail. But God is saying, is, is my arm too short? Sorry, am, am I unable to do this? Am, am I unable to, to meet your bill? It is, is my, is, am, I, am I too poor? Am I too weak? Am I too impotent? You'll see. And if we trust him, we will see. I, I, amazing. We have, again, so many stories of God's gracious provision, including many times where we could not see how. And again, some of you have heard us, us share when, when we had our, our second child, Nathan, uh, uh, Esther had been working as a, as a physiotherapist, and she had it in her heart for a season to be full-time mom. I was working uh, as part of a church team in, in ministry, and, uh, and you know, she shared with me her heart to be full-time mom for a season, and I was really thrilled until I did the maths. And, uh, and then I just, it was just, it was ridiculous, because like, we were... We were going to be, I mean, we, we looked at our budget. We looked at pairing everything back, cutting each other's hair, you know, that sort of thing. And just, you know, how, how, how could we get this, this expenditure line as, as low as possible? And we were about two or three hundred pounds short. And I remember being really frustrated and going for a walk. And you might have seen people ranting to themselves walking down the street. Well, that was me. If you'd seen me that evening. Because I was frustrated. I was, I was like, Lord, I, I'm, I'm trying to serve you in ministry. It's like I'd done a law degree. The people I've been at uni with, they were partners in law firms earning silly money. And here I was. I couldn't provide for my own family. That's how I felt. I'm not having this rant until I got to a certain point. You always, you know where you were when you had an epiphany. And I remember, I remember just after about 20 minutes of ranting, I stopped and something inside me said like, what is this faithless voice that speaks as if God's arm is too short? I said, Lord, I am sorry. You have never let us down. You have always been faithful. And I'm going to trust you. We're going we're gonna to take this step. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. A couple of years earlier, a friend had, had asked me to, to manage his, he had, a property, and his had a brother had two properties. And as a sideline, in addition to my, my, my church ministry, I was managing three properties and, and taking 10% of the rent to do the management. It was just a little, it was a side hustle. And, um, but that week after, after I had prayed and had this moment, I got a call out the blue, probably three days later, from another guy that I knew who was living overseas. And he said, Martin, I, I hear you're managing houses now. As a sideline, I said, yeah, I am. He said, look, I've got three houses. This was in the city in Nottingham where we lived. And he said, but I need someone to manage them. Would you manage them for me? And, 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 and two of them were like big, fat, juicy, high-rent student properties, six beds. And, and, and he said, I'd be really happy if you have 10% of the rent. And, and it came to 300 pounds a month. Now, it was a bit of extra hard work, but it was the Lord's provision. I could not see how, but God was able. I want to encourage you. There is a principle of provision. God is able. For 17 more years, that became an income into our family, and I thank God for it. His provision. He can provide. Maybe you can't see how. Also, I'd like us to understand the principle of partnership. Can we all say partnership? This is really interesting because God is not only interested. He does not only look to participate. He's not only a provider, which he is. He is looking for our partnership. And this is where, for some of us, the challenge comes because we, we, want, we want his provision, but we don't want to trust him. But it doesn't really work like that. It actually, for us to enter in to the fullness of God's provision and promise, we have to enter into the trust. 
Jesus says, do not store up treasure on earth, but store up treasure in heaven. He also says, do not serve money, but serve God. This can be a big wrestle. And for us, you know, for, for how do we do that? How do we store up treasure in heaven? Well, we can give to those in need. We can sow into, into our local church. And I don't say that with any embarrassment. That's how we've tried to primarily outwork our uh, investing in the kingdom of heaven, uh, the church that we've been part of, uh, the, the privilege of, of leading here, but we always lead by example in this, to, to sow into the ministries because what we give enables the ministries and the mission and the vision to expand and to go further. It's a way that we can invest in the kingdom. But we have to trust God in these, in these aspects, in these areas, look for partnership. It's not one-way participation. And, and right through the Bible, we see, we see something that God seems to be putting to his people, which is, if you, I will. If, if you trust me, you'll see me provide. If you obey me, you'll see my favor upon your life. If you, then I will. We see this from God, and we see many instances of God's supernatural provision, and almost always there is some partnership on, on the part of God's people. That the widow of Zarephath, who sees oil and flour not run dry, she's down to her last cake, and Elijah comes and says, bake the cake for me. And, and almost as a, as a representation of, of the Lord, she, she gives her very last to the man of God, and then a miracle happens in her house. Partnership. God providing for the, the Israelites to go through the Red Sea. But the whole nation have come out and they are at the edge of the waters. There's a, there's a trust, there's an obedience in coming out. And then they see God break through. We see it in so many uh, verses in Scripture. In, for instance, where we have been here in Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That, that's our part. Seek first. Don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek it first. Don't store up treasure on earth. Store up treasure in heaven. And all these things will be added to you. But there is a partnership that we're invited into here. We're instructed into here. The, the ram in the thicket. You're on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. It is, is how, what the saying goes. Jehovah Jireh, God provided, but he provided in an environment of sacrifice. Where Abraham responds and obeys the Lord, even to, at such an extreme place. And then God provides on the mountain of the Lord. But many of us, we, we don't want to be on the mountain of the Lord. We just want the provision. Another verse that gets quoted a lot around provision is, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. Philippians chapter 4. And yet the context of this is a church that is giving even as it's relayed to the church of Corinth beyond their ability to give. These are a sacrificial people. In fact, Philippians 4, 14, Paul says this, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment. I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs. But we see partnership. I want to say God is merciful. If you find yourself in financial difficulty and you haven't been honoring God, then cry out to him because he is merciful. Many times I have not deserved his grace and yet I've received his grace. And yet the principle for us to enter into a life of seeing his favor, his grace, his provision, there is a part of us to outwork of trust and obedience. And we're amazed to see the grace of God. If you do most money management courses, they'll recommend saving. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is an example to follow. The reality is we've, we've not managed through our lives to, to save, really. And when we have saved up for some things, God has invariably asked us to give it away. And yet we have always seen his provision. 
and we've seen his blessing and we've seen his abundance. We've just sought to live in this place of partnership, of obeying God, trusting God and seeing his grace and his provision, which takes me to the final principle. Frimpon, why don't you come and, and help, which is really simple. It's the principle of prayer. Uh, just before the verses that we read and just after, you see Jesus inviting prayer, encouraging prayer, instructing prayer. A few verses earlier, Jesus gives the pattern for prayer. This is how you then should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray about it. If you have need, pray about it. A little bit later, just after this passage, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. If anyone asks, they will receive. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And I I know many of us, uh, when we can get into financial difficulty, uh, we can we can stress and we can become anxious. We can phone a friend. We can Google. We can try all sorts of different things. We can be scrolling through TikTok on, on the most effective side hustles. But have we got on our knees and prayed about it? My friends, I, in our experience, one of the reasons I, I believe God wants to be involved in this area of our discipleship is to draw us closer to him. It's, it's actually a relational issue. Don't think for a moment God's after your money. You completely miss the point. He's after your heart. And, and sometimes he has ways of getting us on our knees. And when we're on our knees and we pray and we cry out, our relationship is closer. And this is so important if in an area of need that we pray, that we're a praying people, we cry out to God. You know, when my kids were little, they would sometimes come to me and they would ask me because I was their only hope. They maybe wanted an ice cream. Dad, can we have an ice cream? And I was their only hope. I say their only hope because Esther would have said no. I was like, the, the, but, they, but then if I had the joy as a dad of providing, like my... Their joy was in the ice cream. My joy was in their coming to me and saying, Dad, Dad. The ice cream van, you hear the ice cream van going down the road. We used to tell our kids, when, when the siren, when you hear the siren, it means they've run out. But they knew it wasn't true. And sometimes they're like, Dad, Dad, the ice cream van, the ice cream van. It's like, come on, let's do it. But my joy was in their coming to me. No, God's joy is in us coming to him. I'm urging you to let him fully into this area of your life. Not to leave finances a no-go area. Is he welcome? Let him be welcome. Today, over, over the next couple of weeks, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That we let God in. We say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do? You're welcome to come and have your way. One final story, which I shared last year. So for those who are here, apologies for, for the repeat, but the principle of prayer. One time, another, another we had a, we've had a several times where we were running a car that was on its knees. But I remember this particular time, our, we had a family car and it was dying you know when you're throwing good money after bad and it was it was at the end of its life but we had no solution and I remember in particular Esther was praying she was every day God you've said you're a provider we need your help would you come praying 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 we didn't know but in the church where we were at that time there were there was a couple they had a, a couple of daughters and they were doctors uh, from Singapore. They'd been working in the UK. And they were going to head back. We, we didn't even know them. And they were going to head back to Singapore. Um, but the Lord had spoken to the wife that their car, which was a really great family car, that rather than sell it and, and bank the proceeds, because they couldn't take it back to Singapore, uh, were, that they needed to give it away. And the Lord spoke to, to this lady to, to give the car that the, the car needed to go to someone called Esther. Now, this lady only knew one person called Esther who actually lived in Leicester, which I find slightly humorous. But 
But she phones up our friend Esther from Leicester, and Esther from, like, says, do you need a car? She said, no, I literally, I've just got a brand new car this week. I don't know what you're talking about. So she thought, maybe I've not heard God. But the next Sunday, Esther was doing something at, at church in our kids' work. And got introduced, this is Esther. And the lady was in the room at the time. And her spirit leapt. And she thought, this is it. This is the Esther. And at the end, she, she came up and said, oh, hi, you're, you're Esther. She said, yes. Yeah. She said, do you need a car? I mean, Esther had not met this lady before. She was like, hello, who are you? Yeah, yes, yes. We do. And she was so happy. This lady was like, fantastic. I did hear God. We've got a car. We, we want you to have it. So we were like, well, we want to have it. Thank you. So they then invited us to go to their house to get the car. And some of you have heard me, me say this because, because they were moving two weeks later. And they were trying to get rid of all of their stuff. And they said, come in. See if, you, if there's anything you need. Do you want any televisions? Do you want any, any furniture? And we filled their car with their stuff. I, I'm not kidding. We put the seats down. And we drove off with their car and their stuff. And they were as happy as we were. I felt bad. But I got over it. The power of prayer. Sometimes we can't see a way, but God is making a way. My friends, I, I want to encourage us. Make him welcome in this area of your life. Don't let this be a no-go area because God wants to do some things in your life. Can we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your goodness, for your provision. We thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, that you are a provider. Lord, I pray for those of us that have maybe closed off in this area, Lord, that you would be at work in us. Lord, that we would allow you full access in this area of our lives, Lord, and we would bring honor to your name. God, we pray. We pray, Lord, and I pray today for those that need provision. Lord, that as they pray, as they seek you, Lord, they would see your miraculous, gracious hand. Thank you. You are the same God. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that when you come after our hearts, it's because you love us. And you desire us to be in a place of intimacy. Let us be an open people, we pray, for the honor of your name. Amen.